um, the PPP and idle monies are running out. And uh, I think the programs were successful. I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, but unfortunately without an extension or renewal of them, um, people's balance sheets are running out of those, those short-term or middle-term kind of uh, relief programs. And we are seeing an uptick in distressed businesses um, needing to talk deeper as far as what restructure options or turnaround options there may be for their businesses. Um, absent the economy coming back and absent any kind of additional stimulus programs, I think certain business sectors and environments are going to uh, keep declining and unfortunately turnarounds and associated uh, divestitures uh, are going to start happening. We are seeing an uptick in both the distressed um, business uh, concerns and questions, as well as people coming to us saying, what does it look like to get out of my business? Because people are just tired, they're just fatigued with um, uh, with the rates. You know, this this has broke the camel's back. It's trying to put the camel's back for many business owners. They've been at it for a long time. All businesses go through peaks and valleys. This valley has been a tough one for many business owners. The Healthy Business Podcast. Next up, I have Alan Pulowski. He's a partner at Next Point LLC. They are specialists in acquisition, in distressed businesses, in workouts, in exit planning, in business valuation. And the reason why I'm bringing them in is because those are the questions that I'm getting from business owners. They want to get out now with all the uncertainty with COVID-19 and the recession and the election. People want out. They want to just sell the business and get out. It's not that easy, unfortunately. And so I thought I would bring in the expert. I would bring in Alan Pulowski from Next Point, and he can talk us through uh, a workout and, and talk us through valuations and, and understanding that better. And then as you'll hear at the end of the interview, we're gonna do something special. I'm going to ask a listener, a business owner, who wants to learn and, and, and find out what the valuation of their business is, we're gonna give them an opportunity to find out the valuation of their business live on a future interview. So after you listen, if you're interested, please give me a call. Please send me an email at uh, Tony at yenllc.com or just right on the website. You can uh, reach me in the contact information on the website. If you're interested, we're going to have you on a future podcast and Alan will walk through how easy it is to determine the valuation of your business. So I hope you enjoy Alan Pulowski. Alan, hey man, how you doing? Tony, things are going well. Thank you for asking. How about you? Good, man. Things are going great. Thanks uh, for coming on. I, uh, I wanted to talk to you because, uh, with everything that's gone on with COVID-19 and then, uh, uh, you know, now a recession, I'm sure you're getting a lot of phone calls, especially in the uh, acquisition, exit planning, debt restructuring, turnaround type, you know, those are some of the key components of, of Next Point. I know that. Um, what's going on? Like, give, give me an idea of, of what you're seeing today. Well, what I'm seeing is, as I'm sure you're observing as well, um, the PPP and idle monies are running out. And 
uh, I think the programs were successful. I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, but unfortunately without an extension or renewal of them, um, people's balance sheets are running out of those, those short-term or middle-term kind of uh, relief programs. And we are seeing an uptick in distressed businesses um, needing to talk deeper as far as what restructure options or turnaround options there may be for their businesses. Um, absent the economy coming back and absent any kind of additional stimulus programs, I think certain business sectors and environments are going to uh, keep declining and unfortunately turnarounds and associated uh, divestitures uh, are going to start happening. We are seeing an uptick in both the distressed um, business uh, concerns and questions, as well as people coming to us saying, what does it look like to get out of my business? Because people are just tired. They're just fatigued with um, uh, with the race. You know, the, this this has broke the camel's back. The startup broke the camel's back for many business owners. They've been at it for a long time. All businesses go through peaks and valleys. This valley has been a tough one for many business owners. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I am. I'm also seeing uh, something like that. In fact, uh, I agree with you. I, I, you know, with the PPP money running out, um, I believe we haven't truly uh, felt the recession yet. And then once once they shut that down, once we we stop seeing that uh, free money, uh, probably next year is when we really see the recession. And I'm I'm actually concerned that next year we're going to see more business failures than we've may have ever seen in our lifetimes um, in one year. Totally and, agree. And, uh, totally agree. you know, I, I guess uh, when, when you're getting those phone calls, these uh, distressed companies and things like that, what, what kind of, what are some of the steps that you're taking or the advice that you're giving at the, at the moment? Um, I asked about what their cash reserves are, obviously, um, what their market is like, obviously. Um, a business is about cash flow, as you and I have uh, talked many, many times about. It's all about the cash flow. So, what does the cash flow look like? Are you losing uh, business? Is it is it a hiccup in your industry or a death spiral in your industry? Where are you at, right? Depending on what the short term, middle term, and long term outlook are for the businesses, the responses are different. Obviously, if it's in a death spiral, my advice is completely different than something that's just been put on the shelf uh, from a market point of view for a bit of time. Uh, Talking about the latter, if it is sort of just a hiccup in the business, in the cash flows and, and, and workflows of the business, then you talk about reserves on the balance sheet and strength on the balance sheet to, to weather through this or off balance sheet. You know, there are many ways of getting a business to survive a short-term interruption, um, but each, <laughs> but you love this answer. It depends, right? Mm. It all depends on, on the business that I'm talking to in the situation, but that sort of gives you a couple examples. Yeah, for sure. How, how does... How does a business know if they're in a death spiral? Like, how would you, how would you define that uh, versus uh, a company that you can turn around? Yep, um, it, a lot of it depends on internal sophistication. If they've got a strong um, accounting-minded person, doesn't need to be a CFO or, or a CPA, doesn't have to be a licensed person, uh, but somebody that's just really aware of the cash flows and like, ooh, you know, payables are getting extended. Ooh, we're having a tough time covering the. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, payables are getting extended. Ooh, we're having a tough time covering payroll every Thursday. They start feeling the cash pains, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, it depends again on the sophistication of the internal uh, awareness of the employees, but also the uh, sophistication of the reporting and quality of data that they have internally. So 
you right away start asking questions on, you know, how good are your financial statements? Do you, you do a monthly close, right? Is your data good quality data? Mm -hmm. uh, all those being said, you start getting more sophisticated questions on how do you monitor and manage your cash flows? Do you have a cash flow projection model like you have created and implemented with your clients, which is exceptional? Tools like that make a world of difference for somebody's awareness that they're getting into trouble. Um, but you start feeling those pains, right? You start feeling those pains. Some people don't, many people, many businesses don't realize the amount of options you have when, it, when you start feeling those pains and leveraging on and off balance sheet assets if there's viability for the business. The question always comes down to, is this business viable mm -hmm. from a market point of view, from a, a going concern point of view, from a strength of balance sheet point of view? If it is viable, there's a lot of options. If, the, if it is not viable in a terrible situation, like anything, quicker the better that you really end it, preserve your resources and, and, uh, and move on to the next chapter in life. And, and as painful as that is, that is the best solution. If it's mm -hmm. not a viable going concern and it is not savable, you wanna mitigate damages, get to the finish line as quickly as possible, preserve as much capital and other resources as you can and figure out what the next chapter looks like. Yeah, so that you, what, what um, I, I heard you say that I, I, I kind of do the same thing at times when uh, you, you mentioned some of the red flags where perhaps you, ask, you start asking the owner some questions when they give you a call mm -hmm. about just simple things, or what, what should be simple things like up-to-date up monthly financial statements and just uh, any kind of uh, cash tracking or anything. Um, so what you're saying is that when you don't, when you hear them say, no, I do not have up to date statements, or if you look at their statements and you see they're a disaster, uh, or, and, and they don't have like a key individual or anybody that's, that's kind of overseeing the financials. Um, those are some of the red flags that you're saying that there's a greater chance that this is in death spiral. Absolutely. Um, I use the metaphor of medicine many times in the stages of cancer. Early detection is everything, right? You get a stage one cancer patient, stage two cancer patient, survivability is far greater than a stage three or stage four cancer patient. Mm -hmm. And early awareness, early detection, using the medical metaphor, is key. And if you have the tools and, and the personnel that give you that early awareness, early detection, you have far more options and mitigation of damages than you do later in the process. Mm -hmm. A monthly close, as you and I have talked about elsewhere, cannot be overstated the importance of, and a quality bookkeeper cannot be overstated the importance of both of those for a business owner to make sure that, uh, that they are aware of the fiscal condition of their business and the viability of their business. You can't, you can't uh, overstate how important those two things are. Yeah, I agree with you. And unfortunately, a lot of business owners see that as an expense versus a value add Correct. Uh, and Correct. tend to hire at, at the cheapest rate, which uh, usually in a lot of cases turns into somebody that's really not capable of getting the job done. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Exactly. And that's unfortunate because that plays into uh, the situation that they are, they would be currently in when they make the phone call to you. Correct. Correct. When somebody calls me and they have no monthly closing, they have a one day a week uh, bookkeeper that really doesn't have bookkeeping experience or the owner's doing it themselves and it's, um, it's, 
and they don't really understand the accounting world and stuff. I get very concerned as how far along they are in the stages of decline of the business and the survivability at that point in time. If somebody says that we're starting to extend our payables and payrolls getting a little skinny, we're going to our line of credit. It's like, okay, you know, okay, at least they're aware, right? That my, my optimism increases in those kinds of phone calls or emails. So they're, they're key. Uh, are you seeing more and more business owners today looking to get out? And, um, and also if, if, if that is the case, what are, uh, what are our businesses selling at a discount right now because of everything going on with the uncertainty of COVID and all that? Great questions. Um, first, we're seeing a lot of questions, right? We're seeing a lot of business owners, I'm done. What does it look like to sell my business? Which dovetails into the second portion of what you just commented on. Has my value, business just taken a, a beating in value, right? Can I sell my business now or business is going for full value, partial value, discounted value? Um, <laughs> same answer as you know, previously, it depends. Um, but um, we've in the last six-ish months, we've had um, a half a dozen deals transact and we've had multiples of that in, in dialogue on those exact topics. And I've talked to accounting professionals, uh, legal professionals, transactional professionals, we're all dialoguing and, and blogging and talking about, well, what are you guys looking at as far as valuations and how do you see this affecting this? And it's, it's really all over the board. Yes, everybody is, um, is far more conservative these days, but but at the end of the day, if there's a strategic opportunity, it is still a strategic opportunity. There will be an end to this pandemic. There will be the other side of this. And if you can get something that's strategic now because of the owner, for the right reasons, right? The owner's fatigued, um, whatever that case is, it is the right time to do transactional activities. Um, but the valuation thing is all over the board. Mm. Um, but I just went through a valuation where we where of course COVID affected the businesses and there was discussions on, do we get a discount? Um, there's an argument for discounting, right? Cause the traditional valuation methods use recent earnings to drive many times drive the value of the business. So if recent earnings are hurt, so is the value of the business. So at that point, Tony, it all comes down to structure, right? The price of the business is in the top five most important things it's not in the top three most important things when you're buying and selling a business. The mm. top three are the structure. If I'm going to buy your business for a million dollars, am I going to give you a million dollars of closing? Or am I going to give you a half million dollars of closing? And you're going to take payments for the other 500,000. Or am I going to give you zero at closing? And the payments to you are contingent on me retaining your customers downstream. All different structural scenarios, right? Yeah. So the value becomes affected, yes, but far more often the structure becomes affected. The uncertainty can convert value into timing of payments or contingency of payments. So val the value that you're looking for out of your business is not necessarily lost, but you might not get it at closing. You might get it over time mm -hmm. if COVID has influenced the value of your businesses. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's interesting. And so are you saying that there are certain deals uh, sometimes where because of the uncertainty of COVID that maybe the uh, sale arrangement also involves uh, just the, uh, the results of the company in the future years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, think about it. If a business took a decline in the last 12 months, the question mark is, 
is post-COVID going to be a recovery or is post-COVID, is this the new normal for this business, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If there's a recovery post-COVID, as we all hope and think, well, then the contingency on the performance of the business gets the seller the full price of the business. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't recover, if the new run rate of the business is the new normal for the business, then there is no remuneration for that theoretical uptick. And the buyer paid the right price and the seller got the right price because you're paying, the, paying for the business on the right cash flows in the future. The, the valuation is, and the price is sort of a crystal ball kind of <laughs> mindset, right? We're trying to predict what the, the business is gonna produce and perform like in, in the, the next three to five to seven years. So making a contingent if come kind of uh, structure many times uh, shares the risk proportionally between buyer and seller. Hmm. But many times, it's called an earnout. many times a contingent uh, uh, sale price based on performance in the future of the business is unacceptable to both sides, right? Um, I'm not making my sale price contingent on future performance. What if you go in and you don't know what the hell you're doing? I'll reset. What if you go in and you don't know what the heck you're doing, right? And you tank my business. Now right. my future earnings are, are contingent on your performance. So there's a lot of dialoguing, a lot of structural talks. At the end of the day, the buying and the selling of the business is a risk share and the structure will need to represent the risk share of that transaction. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Now you had mentioned that uh, price is in the top five, but not the top three um, of, of, you know, what makes a good, uh, good sale. What, what are the top three usually? I don't have a static top three, but I can talk to you about what we've seen as top three. Um, what does success look like? Um, sometimes an owner or a seller is looking for more um, legacy components to the business. I want the name to survive. I want these top five employees to survive. Um, there are many, many times intangibles that are more important to the seller than just the net net of, of the transaction or timing of the transaction. I've had multiple transactions where sellers taking less than high offer because of certain intangibles that are more important to them because their personal balance sheet is comfortable. The delta of $300,000 isn't significant to them. I'm happy for it, right? But yeah. um, what's important to the seller or the buyer can only be determined by the seller of the buyer. And therefore, what does success look like? Many times uh, there are intangibles in there, i.e. retention of employees, i.e. retention of brand, i.e. certain customer interactions. Um, so intangibles, second, Tony, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is really the structure. Mm -hmm. um, would you rather have a million bucks now in your pocket, or would you rather me pay you a million five, all of it contingent over time? You tell me which is a better deal for you, right? I'll give you 50% more over time, or I'll give you 66% right now. You tell me which is better for you. So the structure, like we talked about before, is really, it's the art of the deal, it is the meat and potatoes of the deal. That is where you can get the buyers and the sellers to meet. Price, again, not in there. The structure of the price drives this many, many times. Mm, interesting. Uh, thirdly, culture. Um, culture does this make sense. And this is many times on the buy side, sometimes on the sell side, but you don't take a dot-com company and then a fourth generation brick and mortar many times and try to merge those. The cultures are completely different. Um, mindsets, methodologies, work from home, not work from home, all these kind of things. You can envision how those are quantumly different. So you have to talk about the cultural fit of the joining of the two companies. 
because we want this thing to be working 10 years from now. We don't want this thing to blow up uh, six months from now because we got it across the finish line. We got financing and some cash at closing, but there's no cultural fit, right? This, this, just, this is an apple and a grape and these things just do not go together. So um, those are examples of the top three that you know, I, I think are always paramount. Excellent, yeah, that, that was great. Thank you very much for that. Oh, my um, pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about valuation in general, just the value of a business. Uh, many times I run into clients who want to know what the value of the company is and uh, of their company. And, and uh, many times um, they have a number in mind that typically is far higher than, <laughs> than the real value. Um, I've seen that. <laughs> I'm sure you have. And so I guess, I guess, uh, I know NextPoint does a lot of valuations and uh, just I'm it's kind of mysterious for a lot of business owners. Um, mm -hmm. If you could just kind of go in a little bit more and explain how valuations work and how do you typically value a company? And then maybe you can go into how you um, the actual cost of evaluation if people sure. if an owner wants to understand it, but not not for any reason other than, you know, I would love to know my valuation today just to get an idea. Sure. sure. Um, so I'm going to, that's a complicated question, with an even more complicated answer. I'm going to simplify this dramatically. So um, the valuation can come down to basically three components if I want to dis distill it down. You can have a balance sheet valuation, picture Hertz rent a car. Um, a lot of their value is the inventory they have in the vehicles, right? If you take the Hertz rent-a-car and you liquidate all their vehicles, it's going to eclipse the cash flows of that kind of business. So that's sort of an example of a balance sheet driven. If you have a construction company, many times if they have a lot of equipment, the balance sheet can have a significant amount of wealth on it. And the cash flows of the business from the P&L side uh, might do very well also, but the balance sheet driven kind of um, valuation is one. Many people look at their balance sheet for the valuation, they look at retained earnings, um, which is many times, usually times, just because of tax, uh, not a good indicator. But the assets on the balance sheet or net, net assets on the balance sheet after uh, liabilities can many times be a good indicator of the value of your business. Secondarily, the, the P&Ls I implied in the first answer, the cash flows of the business, the profitability of the business, um, adding back non-cash activities like depreciation and amortization uh, and interest. It's an EBITDA calculation, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Um, that is a measure of the cash flows and earnings of the business. Basically, if I gave you that same million bucks for the business we talked about before, the business made $250,000 in EBITDA per year, you would break even on that business in four years. So, Reversing that, uh, buyers take multipliers of the EBITDA, which represents their risk tolerance to the buy of that business. A four times earnings says, I'm going to break even all things being equal in four years. Am I comfortable with that? No, I'm really comfortable with that. You know what? I think we can give uh, five times. I think five years, I'm, I'm good. We can, it'll take five years to get my money back. I'm certain I'm going to get my money back in five years or less. Likely, you know, man, I'm, man, that's pretty speculative. I don't think this thing's going to break even. I'm going to give you two times earnings. I don't know when I'm going to get my break even out of this thing. So you have the static number of the earnings of the business times a very subjective multiplier of the business based on the risk tolerance of many times the buyer. So 
We have a balance sheet methodology, which are the asset values. We have a PL methodology, which is the cash flows of the business times some kind of subjective-ish multiplier. But that being said, there were many times industry ranges and brackets around where um, plumbing companies go for multipliers or pharmacies go for multipliers. A plumbing company might be three to five times earnings. A pharmacy might be seven to nine times earnings. There are brackets around industries which guide us to certain ranges and then the multiplier pick is on the, the extremes of the ranges. Using the pharmacy example, seven to nine times earnings. If it's risky and speculative and distressed, maybe we'd offer six times earnings, right? Or if it's doing great and it's really a banner pharmacy, maybe we'd offer 10 times earnings. So the earnings, the multiplier component is the art and speculation and differentiation of the deal. Um, but uh, 50,000 feet, balance sheet, PL, earnings times a multiplier. Thirdly, there may be an industry standard type of methodology. Um, repeating the pharmacy uh, example, I did sell a chain of, uh, of, not a chain, but a series of independent pharmacies. And the methodology in the pharmacy world was one times the prescription right value for one year. So the revenue that's dispensed from prescriptions times one year's of revenues is the value. Nothing to do with the over-the-counter, nothing to do with the retail, nothing to do with anything else. And I sold one to CVS, I sold one to Walgreens, and they both used the exact same methodology in talking to their buyers. They said, that's the industry, right? Simple. No negotiation, cut and dry. Industry has determined this is the valuation for these businesses. You want it or not. So I looked at the balance sheet. I looked at the P&L and the cash flows. I looked at the industry standards. Wow. That's Long interesting. Answer. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if uh, it's, it's obviously it's complicated and every company is different. Every industry is different. And so the valuation is different. We'll, we'll get back to that, but let's say a business owner really just wanted to have an idea of, of their value. I mean, is there, first of all, a quick and dirty way where they could just calculate a number? Um, and then sure. is there maybe a cheaper version uh, that you sell at next point that um, allows them to get the number if they're really, you know, they're not sure what they want to do with it at this point, but they would love to know. Sure. Um, using those last three examples, um, predominantly the world lives in, I don't know this statistically, but I would say 60 to 70% of valuations are driven by the P&L. Um, sometimes the balance sheet gets in place, sometimes the market does. So let's say you're in that 60 to 70% of businesses coming from the P&L you should be able to easily take your year-end financial statements and figure out what your earnings are. And then if you're in any kind of an association, you might be able to pick the brains of the association of what is the standard valuation methodology for our industry. And they might be able to tell you the range of multipliers that are being used in that industry. Um, uh, if not, there's certain periodicals and subscription-based environments where you can get those kinds of things. Um, but if you want to use just the back of the envelope, you use three, four, five, six times earnings, three to six times earnings, and you start getting a sense of what the range of the value of your business is. Rarely do we see things in double digit multipliers. 10 and above is usually technology or early stage growth or, um, or hard strategic buys. You're going you're gonna to be in single digits, three to six times earnings is a good place for a business just to say, what am I worth, right? Take your earnings, multiply times five, and that's, that's a range that you might be in. It's a very distilled down, uh, simplistic point of view, but to your point, Tony, it gets somebody an idea of, of the range they're in. Um, 
two methods of getting evaluation for your business. There's a certified valuation analyst licensure uh, subset of the CPA world that you can have done. That's usually implemented for um, uh, people that need uh, a licensed person attesting to the quality of the data that's inside of it. There's 30 some different methodologies that can be used. This is many times used for wills and estates and divorces or uh, shareholder agreements where there's legalities and ties to it. Um, that those are in the high thousands or tens of thousands range. Uh, as you mentioned before, there's a, a lot of substance there, a lot of methodologies that are contrasted and, and a lot of detail that goes into it. Um, many times that's overkill for somebody just saying, what's my business worth? Um, the second methodology is just a market valuation. That is what we do. We don't do CVAs. We, we, we resource to a couple of the groups for that. Uh, we do the market valuations. And what that is, is getting a hard determination, what the range is for the businesses multipliers. And then we try to find comps that have happened recently within the industry, sort of metaphorically uh, to a, a realty um, environment where you look to comps to say, what is the pharmacy selling for these days? What is the uh, plumbing store selling for these days? So we take, we'll take the financial statements, we'll look at the earnings or balance sheets or industry, we'll contrast the three. Um, and then we'll look at what's happening in the marketplace and we'll do some research on what the, norm, uh, the norms are and come up with a market-based valuation, which again, many times uh, gets the owner enough peace of mind to where the business is to either decide I need to keep building my business because that's not enough or, you know, good. I've done good over these years. Let's take it to market, maybe divest at this point in time. Um, and, and that tends to be, uh, you know, what's the range of, of amount that they typically pay for something like that? It, it depends on how it's complicated, but uh, 1750 to 3000 bucks. In, okay. In, so that's really to... reasonable if somebody's interested to get a, a pretty Oh, comparatively, good... yeah. It's, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. They can get great. somebody at least, it also gives you sort of a measuring tool. This year it's worth a million bucks. Next year it's a million too. We got 200,000 more in valuation. You, you at least have this benchmark that you can look at and, and contrast and you can't manage what you can't measure. So if you're really looking for exit value and, and uh, enterprise value and, and your exit strategy, knowing that numbers, uh, I think pretty important. For sure. And you know what, it, it's, it's such a complicated thing. You know, I have an idea that I'm curious if you're interested in. Um, why not if I ask uh, the, uh, the listeners here, if anybody wants to volunteer and maybe you can kind of walk through how you do evaluation by sharing sure. uh, their numbers and um, you know, if they're willing to do that, they can, we could do that live on a, on a future interview. I'd love that. That'd be fun. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Awesome. That'd be yeah. great. Uh, there's nothing better than an example, right? I'd probably, Tony, I'm sorry, probably put half of your audience to sleep with all that accounting stuff. I apologize. <laughs> Valuation is not sexy. I'm sorry, but it is important. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, fortunately, I'll, I'll reach out to my tens of listeners, so you don't have to worry too much. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find one volunteer, and um, I'm, I'm sure at least a few will listen. <laughs> well, the five of you that are awake, consider this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I do think that there, there's going to be more and more demand and request for that because there's just going to be sure. a push um, for people to want to uh, sell and get out and, you know, um, and just, uh, 
just walk away from it all if they can. Um, so I, I think this is more important than ever. It's a key data point in, in making that decision, right? You look at your, probably your personal wealth and saying that if, if everything stopped today, could I live comfortably as, as long as I want to, or as long as you will, um, uh, or not? And if it's not, then you've got to say, do I need to stay with my business, take what I can get for my business? But the understanding of the value of the business gives you some reference points to make life decisions from, for sure. Alan, if, if people are interested in contacting you or NextPoint, how do they get to you? Uh, email is alan, A-L-A-N, at nextpointllc.com. And then my cell phone is 716-207-2932. You can text me or call me, whatever you'd like to oh, do. Oh, man, that's dangerous, giving out the cell phone number. Well, thanks again. And um, my pleasure, Tony. Good to see you. Once I hear from somebody, I'll contact you and we'll do this again. Looking forward to it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. That was uh, well done.